I'd like to turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we'll be reading from the verses 9 to 21. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, beginning at verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. For those of you who have your Bibles with you this morning, please turn with me to Luke chapter 6. I'm going to rehash a little bit of history here over the last two weeks, so if you weren't here during one of those weeks, you'll just have to bear with me. But Luke chapter 6, and we'll begin reading there at verse 27. In Matthew, this passage is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm just taking a pericope, a chunk, out of the middle of it. Jesus is speaking here, and in verse 27, he says, but I tell you who hear me, so this is to every one of us, don't plug your ears, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic, the rest of your clothes. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. 
but, don't you hate that word? But, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Two weeks ago, we dealt with the story from Luke chapter 5 about the man who was paralyzed. you remember that story? They brought him to Jesus. The house was so full they couldn't get in, and so they opened up a hole in the roof and, and lowered him down right plumb in front of Jesus. And, and Luke says, and seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, friend, your faith has saved you. Your sins are forgiven. And then, you know, you know the rest of the story, how people started muttering and bellyaching about Jesus forgiving sins. And, uh, and Jesus said, oh, by the way, just to show that I have the power to forgive sins, uh, get up and walk. Take up your mat and go home. And so he did. And we talked about the tremendous privilege, the spectacular privilege that you and I have as Christians in having our sins forgiven and how the spectacular becomes so ordinary for us because we hear it all the time. We kind of expect it. Last Sunday, we, we celebrated the Lord's Supper again, and, and in, in picture, in object lesson form, we ate the bread and we drank the juice that represented the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we again claimed by faith our forgiveness, the spectacular. That's a tremendous privilege to have our sins forgiven. We have been given much. But Jesus said, to those who have been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. You see, every coin has two sides. And the one side of our coin says, we have our sins forgiven. That's a spectacular privilege. But the other side of that coin says, because we have our sins forgiven, we carry a great responsibility. That's the part that kind of rubs us the wrong way sometimes. You see, I like having my sins forgiven because it all comes my way. But now God turns that coin around and expects us to do something with that which we have been giving. Along with great privilege comes great responsibility. Most of you know that. You've probably preached that sermon to your kids, right? If you want privileges, you have to exercise responsibility, right? And the same thing happens for us as Christians. God says to us, I have given you great privileges. I have given you spectacular privileges because I have forgiven your sins, but that privilege carries with it a great responsibility. Let's talk a little bit about that privilege. You know the story in Genesis when God created Adam and Eve 
The Bible says he put them in the garden to work it, to take care of it. He had Adam name all the animals and discovered his need for someone more like himself, and so God made him Eve. And the Bible says they were both naked and they were not ashamed, and, and there they were, living with God in this garden. And from Genesis 3, you understand that God was in the habit in the cool of the day to walk in the garden and to visit with his people. There was an intimate relationship with God. Two naked people meeting with God. I mean, like, like that that picture somehow just doesn't jive, does it? And there was relationship. There was unity there. But it was destroyed when Adam and Eve sinned and God banished them from the Garden of Eden and established this sacrificial system. And and we get so used to that even, this being estranged from God, that we sort of take it for granted. We get so used to living with sin that it becomes ordinary for us as well. Most of you know that I have diabetes. I got sick. I can't even remember how many years ago it was. But I was really, really sick. And I was sick for about a year. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I kept saying to Kathy, I feel really old. Well, now I have an excuse, but back then I didn't. And she said, you know, Kathy would say to me, you shouldn't feel old. You're not that old. Well, I can't help the way that I feel. Uh, And finally, one night, I got really sick, and people took me to the hospital. And they started shooting insulin into me there, and and three days later, I got out of there, and I couldn't believe how sick I had been until I started getting better. You see, you get used to being sick. And we do the same thing with sin. We get so used to living in sin and being separated from God that it kind of becomes like the status quo. And the effects of a destroyed relationship. This week I was, I was speaking, in, I think it was in, in love uh, on Friday night there. And I used John chapter 3 verse 16. You know that verse. But there is something in that verse that that people don't like to hear. God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish. That's an ugly word. That's the effect of a destroyed relationship. People perish. If you don't believe in Jesus, people who don't believe in Jesus perish. That's our destiny. That's what's ours naturally because of that destroyed relationship. John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus is talking here, same chapter, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Wonderful reality, but, there is that word but again, Whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. That's the effect of a destroyed relationship. God's wrath, there's anger there. There's punishment involved there. 
And so that relationship was severed. And as a result of that, every person who doesn't, who rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains in him. And that in John chapter 1, verse 12, we read those wonderful words, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And here the relationship is restored. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Remember the words perish and wrath? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death says if you sin, you die, you perish, you suffer God's wrath. And as a result of that, Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about that little word peace for a little bit. Do you know why North Korea is still causing grief today? See, July 27th, 1953, the Korean War ended after seven years of conflict. But did it really end? Or three years of conflict, pardon me. You see, they didn't declare peace. They declared an armistice. Do you know what the difference is? An armistice says we're simply not going to kill each other. We still hate each other but we're just not going to kill each other. When you have peace, you have a positive relationship. You see, when, when Germany and, and Japan surrendered, we made peace. And so now we have positive relationships with those countries. North Korea, we just made an armistice. And so there's still a line where there's soldiers with guns and tanks and mines and everything on two sides of that parallel that divides North and South Korea. And you have something called the demilitarized zone. And North Korea still rattling its swords in its scabbards, saying, we're going to do stuff, and they're threatening to uh, and explode another atomic bomb here really quick. There's only an armistice. There isn't peace. But being justified through faith, the Bible says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And the cost of peace is that somebody has to pay for it all. When we ended the Second World War, somebody had to pay. Somebody had to go into Germany and Japan and rebuild all that. And we did all that. That's part of peace. And we paid the price ourselves. The Canadians paid the price. The Americans paid the price. But we established peace and we rebuilt all the mess that we made. Korea, that never happened. We have peace with God. In this case, it was God who paid the entire debt, the entire cost of making peace. So you and I have a tremendous privilege. The one side of the coin. Our sins are forgiven. It came at great cost. But the other side of that coin 
It's a scary business. And I don't like this passage very much. Didn't really want to speak about it because I don't fully live up to it. When someone steals from me, frankly, I want to break their arms. But Jesus said, I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. And the word that's translated enemies is someone, or is, it, it means hostility. It is someone who is hostile toward us. Someone who is angry with us for no particular reason. Someone who seeks to hurt you or to destroy you. And sometimes there is a reason. Sometimes there isn't a reason. Some people make fun of others. Some people use cutting terms or words. Some people act out of ignorance. Some act out of their own pain. And some are just plain mean and enjoy hurting people. And you probably know some animals like that. Dogs, horses, some animals are, they're good animals. They're compliant. They're gentle. They're responsive. They're strong. While other animals are just plain ignorant or mean or stubborn or dangerous. Some people are just, have a mean streak running through them. I don't know why that is. I remember years ago, we, Emmanuel Baptist Church, played ball with one of the other churches in town, and, and I was playing first base, and, and one of the guys on the other team just loved hurting me. Like, why? You know? Just had a step on my ankle, had a step on my foot, like, like what's twisted going on in your head that you get a kick out of that? Like, you think it's fun to hurt people? And you probably know people like that. They're, they're dumb, and we can use a word other than dumb for that. And our enemies can be at, at school, at work, on our streets, or even in our own home. And Satan is like that. He's our most dangerous enemy. He's malicious, dangerous, he's deadly, and mean. And the human response is, to pay it back, right? You hurt me, I hurt you. You come and kick, I come and, you come and kick me in the shin with your steel-toed boot, what am I going to do? I'm going to kick you back. How hard? How hard? Twice as hard? Well, maybe not twice as hard, but, but at least... You know, I remember one time I was, I was still driving truck and, and it was one of those days where it was about that much slush on the road and it was narrow paved road and, uh, and I had one of the older drivers with me because uh, his truck had broken down and we were going down the road with a load of, of concentrate out of a copper mine and met this other truck coming this way and he just absolutely splattered our windshield with, with, with slush. And so my buddy says to me, did we get him? Yeah. Did we get him better? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then it's good. As long as we got him better. You know? So, okay. So you kick me in the shins because you're mean and owly and ugly. So I kick you back. A little bit harder, right? Because I want to make sure that I get, I get even. And, and I not only get even, but I want to punish you. So now I kick you back harder. So now what are you going to do? 
You're going to kick me back again because I kicked you harder than you kicked me in the first time, right? And so in the end of it, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to have two people with broken legs, right? You know, do you remember the Cold War? Remember that whole thing? You know, it started out, well, like, like one country got one nuclear missile. Well, if they fire a nuclear missile, then we're going to fire, fire the other one back. So then, then I got to get two over here. Well, then I got to get three over here. Then I got to get four over here. And you know how that went. And there, there was this doctrine of the Cold War called mutual assured destruction. Do you remember that? Mutual assured destruction. In other words, if you fire one nuclear missile, we're going to fire 3,000 and wipe out the world. Everybody's going to die. That's the human response to pay it back. The Jesus way is what? To pay it back. But to pay what back? See, look at the last verse in that passage that I read in Luke. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus says what? Pay it back. But pay back what you've been given. Pay back the mercy, not the hate. You see, we pay back the hate. And so Jesus says, love your enemies. Why? Because in Romans 5 and verse 8 we read, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Not pray, Lord, break their legs and and rip out their intestines like David does in some of the Psalms. But pray blessings down upon those who hate us. Lord, that miserable man who stepped on my ankle and tried to break it. Oh, Lord, rip his leg out. No. Lord, give him good health. Give him enjoyment in life. Pray blessings Upon bless those who curse us, those who hate us. Pray for those who mistreat us. And then these verses, if if someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. So I turn the other cheek and then I deck him. No, I don't think so. If someone takes your cloak, if someone takes your jacket, don't stop him from taking your shirt. That's stealing. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Al Mahoney, did you give me back my snow rake? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Al, I b- lent Al my snow rake the other day. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And so Jesus said, if you love those who hate you, sinners do that. If you do good to those who are good to you, sinners do that. If you lend to those from who you expect repayment, sinners do that. Um, If you, but you, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Ooh, that rank, I'm too Dutch for that, Lord. 
Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Oh, man. Lord, let's go to to the passage that, that Ken read for us in Romans chapter 12. That's just plain outright scary. I don't have a handle on all of this. As old as I am, I still have things to learn. So Jesus and Paul, Bible says, pay it back. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Pay it back. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not repay Anyone evil for evil, don't pay that back, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, it's not always possible, as far as it depends on you, and it may not be totally up to you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Okay, so here's God's part. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. So you come and, and kick me in the shin. Ooh, God's going to get you for that. Because it's his job to repay. And he might forgive you for doing that too. So then who suffers? I do. Just like Jesus suffered. He didn't deserve it either, did he? See? If we're going to be merciful, somebody has to pay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing that, you will heap burning coals on his head, not give him a burning headache. But you will allow him to take the burning coals so that he can go somewhere and light a fire and cook his supper. It's a good thing. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I struggle with putting this into practice. But it's really not rocket science, is it? I don't think you need a degree from a Bible college or seminary. I don't think you need an education. I don't think you need a license. I don't think you need a certificate, a course, or a seminar to put this into practice. So here's my challenge to you. And this is going to be my prayer for you. I'm almost scared to do this because I think God will take us up on it. But pray that God will give you an opportunity this week to put this into practice. That's scary. Because you could wind up getting hurt. Somebody could kick you in the shins figuratively, or maybe even literally. And I can't get him back. It's a scary thing to do. It's a scary thing. But Lord, if this is what you tell us to do, then I should be willing to do it. Right? Oh, let this be our prayer for this coming week. 
whatever form that may take. And that is scary. Father, sometimes it's easier to pray that you would leave us alone and not ask us to do things that are hard. But Lord, you did something that was hard. You gave your one and only Son, and Jesus, you humbled yourself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, as hard as it is, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to put your words into practice this week. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.